let's go into our message. We're going to continue in our series in Proverbs talking about specifically wisdom, which is a bit of a paradox because what I've just said is true and also equally inaccurate. Yes, it's true, we're talking about wisdom, but the real fact is we're not just talking about wisdom just today. We have always been talking about wisdom as we go through the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 makes it very clear that the very purpose of the book of Proverbs is to gain wisdom and understanding. That's the reason why the book even exists at all. It is a collection, according to verse 1 and 6, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. Really, the book of Proverbs is this huge sort of information path from some source of wisdom channeling down to us. That sort of communication is something called didactic teaching, which is really something that we're all familiar with being in school or sports or anything like that, where someone in a position of knowledge and authority translates information to those who haven't quite yet arrived. It's like as if we, when we open up Proverbs, is that we're in wisdom high for the rest of our lives, okay? That may sound like a bit of a nightmare to be in high school for the rest of your life. I've been there in a way because one of the nightmares I had, one of these reoccurring nightmares, was being in high school perpetually. I love being in high school. I had a ride in high school, but that's okay when you're 17 and 18 or whatever. But when you're 23 years old, and now you're having a dream that you're 23 years old, and you're still in high school and still playing football, it seems a little weird. It gets worse when you're 30 having that same dream. You're 30 years old in your dream, and you're still in high school. It's, you know, it's not great living in the past, especially in high school. But in the case of Proverbs, being in Wisdom High, it's a riot all the time. It doesn't matter. Our learning never stops in this life. In fact, that's the reason why we're going through the process of this whole series in the first place, is how wisdom is applied to anger, how wisdom is applied to the fear of God, and to the heart, and to lust, and to wealth, and to speech, and pride, and a teachable heart, and the importance of trust. These are the things that we're covering, but there are other things involved with wisdom being applied that we're not covering in this series, such as social conduct, loyalty, generosity, strategic planning, risk assessment, mercy, and the importance of a gentle spirit. Wisdom is almost like this incredible hidden genius behind everything, like a, like a conductor of an orchestra. You never see their face, but there is some point you want to acknowledge that conductor, and they turn around, and they take a bow. This is this moment where we can acknowledge this great mind, so to speak, behind it all. So we have to ask the question, what really is precisely wisdom according to Proverbs. But before we do that, we need to clarify one thing. We want to ask a certain different question that almost is contradictory to it, but still applies. We want to answer the question, what wisdom is not. What wisdom is not, is not your academic performance. It has nothing to do with school smarts. And let me demonstrate this. I had a teacher years ago. His name was Dr. Stryker. Brilliant, brilliant mind. And he reflected back in his own years uh, while he's going through his doctorate degree in Stanford University, which happens to be one of the most prestigious universities in the world. And the faculty that are teaching are no less like that. And he reflected back to us a personal story 
about a professor that they had that was a Nobel Peace Prize winning person. The world authority on organic chemistry. I mean, this guy really is, in the academic world, he's a rock star. And he's brilliant. And the university goes after people like that, at that level, like a first-round draft pick. Okay? They, this is a guy, when he walks into class, everybody kind of sits up straight. But there's something different about this professor, as Dr. Stryker reflects on his own life, that he'd come into class sometimes with a bottle of heavy spirits and a shot glass. And he'd walk into class, and he wasn't exactly working on a full deck of cards. And he is a world authority, one of the most prestigious places in academia in the world, and he would sit there and begin to teach. Even though he was only firing on one or two cylinders, the professor told us, he goes, he was flawless. His mind was like a machine. And he, he said this, he goes, he would turn his back to the class, answering questions, and with his left hand, he would write three-dimensional objects with his left hand, and with his right hand, complicated mathematical formulas, and he wouldn't even be watching what his hands would be doing, answering questions at the same time, and he's pickled at the same time. He's, he said his intelligence was eerie. Obviously, a man like that had exposure to a lot of intelligent people, but he said he was just in a different universe. Okay, he's intelligent. But is he wise? Is he really wise? Starting off his day with alcohol, perhaps going to work under the influence of alcohol, doesn't strike me as being intelligent, endangering people. No respect for the position he has, no respect for the institution that he represents, really not respecting the student body and not even respecting himself. No regard, no self-control. I don't say that with a sense of judgment. Actually, when I think about it, it actually makes me pretty sad. When I think about it, I just pray, God, help that man, whoever he is, because he's totally bankrupt. How long do you think that's going to continue on before the university thinks that's a little old? His work performance, his Nobel Peace Prize isn't going to protect his job if he doesn't at some point stand up and apply a little bit of wisdom in his life, which apparently he was not showing at all. My friends, there is a difference between intelligence and wisdom. And here's the silver lining around it all. It doesn't matter where you come from in your schooling background. You have everything you need right now to be outstanding in the realm of wisdom. You've got everything you need right now. So chin up. That's the real take-home message on this. It's that important. This is a message for us, and there is not a single reason in the world that we should be able to be in a situation where we strike out on that. All it is, is do I really want to have wisdom in my life or not? And if we can nail that down this morning, it's a win for us all. So let's begin trying to answer that question, what exactly is wisdom? Wisdom is actually spoken to directly in chapter 3, the entirety of chapter 8 and chapter 9. I, I did something that wasn't very wise this morning. While we were beginning worship, I realized I forgot my Bible. So I'm in the back struggling to find a Bible. I found one. Hallelujah. So let's turn to Proverbs chapter 8. We don't have it in front. Now I lost it. See, I need wisdom. Lord, help me have wisdom. 
Okay, Proverbs chapter 8. I want to read this for you, just a portion of it. Really, for no other reason than you just sort of get a feel of what Proverbs is implying when we're talking about what exactly is wisdom. So just please listen. Proverbs chapter 8. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, at the entrance, she cries aloud, To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your heart on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true. For my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them are crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. By me, kings reign, and rulers issue decrees that are just. By the princes that govern and the nobles, all who live on earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me, find me. What is wisdom, according to Proverbs? It's a person. In the feminine. Well, we know wisdom isn't a real person, so what's going on? Interesting, Proverbs, even though it has this very much a teaching model going through it, it doesn't go through the superlative of pointing out some cold facts about wisdom. Rather, what wisdom does is it moves towards something a little more creative, a literal form of communication known as personification. Personification is a big word, but it's really, really cool. And it's probably as old as literature itself. The purpose of personification is a powerful teaching tool for us. What it does is it takes inanimate objects, ideas, concepts, like wisdom, and turns them into a living person. Puts skin over it. Breathing lungs, eyes, ears, hands, a beating heart. What personification does is gently turns us away from the idea of what wisdom is to who wisdom is because we learn better with the tactile relationships that we can have. Picture this in your mind. This is what Proverbs is trying to do in teaching us what wisdom is. Think about the person sitting beside you, probably is invisible at this point, and imagine what wisdom would be like if they were like us. They have eyes and hands and feet. They're literally sitting beside you. Would you get along with wisdom? Would wisdom like you? Would you like wisdom? What would they like? What would they dislike? What would be their passions? What would be their pursuits? What would they like to talk about? What kind of person would wisdom be? And Proverbs does this so eloquently 
because along the way, we don't just learn about wisdom, we begin to appreciate wisdom as if it's relational. And that is powerful and it's important for us to understand. Because wisdom is a critical function in our lives and not just a good idea or something that passes off on a Sunday morning. So now with that understanding, this personification, let's just quickly glean through the chapter really fastly and I'll just sort of ad-lib through it in a different context. So what is wisdom? Well, first of all, wisdom is bold and isn't shy. It calls out to us, wisdom is on your side. That's a major point. Wisdom is trustworthy. She knows exactly what to say at exactly the right time, all the time, for her words are, they are right and faultless. I like this. The person wisdom offers you more security than a good pension, a retirement package, and a debt-free house. Literally. I'm going to say that again. Wisdom has more valuable to you, more security to you, in any way you want to think about it, than having your house paid off. After all, how are you going to get your house paid off if you don't exercise discipline and consistency and commitment, all furnished by wisdom itself? How are you possibly going to successfully put together a retirement plan without foresight, insight, prudence, understanding the importance of hard work and the rationale of not overspending all attributes supplied and given to you and I through wisdom. In short, she is more important than stuff, gold, silver, or rubies. The person wisdom possesses knowledge and discretion. She hates evil, can't stand pride or arrogance. It can't tolerate Coarse joking, it just, it just rubs wisdom the wrong way. The person wisdom possesses counsel and judgment and power. And without wisdom, all our political leaders will come to nothing. Kings, rulers, lawmakers, politicians, judges, whoever you can think of, they don't have wisdom, they've lost. And yet with wisdom, they can have great success in their service in the office from which they hold. And yet... Though wisdom has its global power, so to speak, wisdom still remains completely approachable for you and I. If only we seek wisdom. The end result of wisdom is a life that is incalculably wonderful and filled with wealth, even though you may not be financially wealthy. Wisdom in your life makes it worth living. Interesting. Wisdom was the first of God's created acts and was created in the very mind of God. We didn't read that portion, but if you want to follow it later on, you'll find it. Wisdom was there first. It doesn't make wisdom God or deity, but it was an important construct from which God made everything else because it is through wisdom that God set the universe together, laid the governing dynamics that we all appreciate this exquisite design before matter, before space, before energy, before gravity, Wisdom already existed. It says in verses 30 to 36 that she stood at God's side and watched him make everything, and she delighted in what God had done, and she delights in us as God delights in us. In essence, wisdom is the very heart and mind 
of God, to be able to understand the universe as God understands it, to see people as he sees people, to feel as God feels, to value what God values. Wisdom helps us to get into the very inner circle of who God is and how he thinks. Clearly, and this is important, maybe the most important point of all in all of this, it is impossible, it is impossible to strike out in life and fail while actively pursuing wisdom. I like that one. Can I say that again? That was just fun. It is impossible to fail at life. Impossible. You're guaranteed to win. Not my idea. Scripture. You're guaranteed to win while in the pursuit of wisdom. That's great. Because it says this, that wisdom is life, and to have wisdom is to find favor with God. How often do you think you're going to fail if you're in favor with God? Never. Are you going to go through difficulties? Yeah, it happens. It affects our health. Life happens. But through it all, I can learn to trust in God because greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. And he's made us more than conquerors through him who loves us. You've won. Even when it feels like you're losing, you're still winning. And wisdom points us that way. It's too important to miss. And to avoid wisdom is a result, ultimately, of accepting self-inflicting wound and death. Yes, thank you, Cambridge Dictionary, for your wonderful example of what wisdom is. The ability to use knowledge and to experience and experience to make good decisions and judgments. Oh, excuse me, I had to get over that boring portion of this message. But thank you, Proverbs, for making wisdom come alive in a way that I can understand. Not just an important idea, but something I really internally need. Through the message that we're getting here through Proverbs, we get this wonderful idea and understanding starts to come to light. That wisdom isn't like some great, nice option in your car like leather. I like leather, but it doesn't really help me start my car. I used to be a GMC truck owner, and now I'm a Ford owner. Okay. Oh, see, I knew. <laughs> I knew. I don't know if that was wise for me to do that, because it does polarize people very quickly. We're all together on our same team, GM and four guys all together, all of us. A couple months ago, I actually had my truck pushed parked here on the west side of the church. Came out, click, 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 battery's dead. Okay, truck's still pretty new. What's going wrong? Well, it's not the truck, it's the battery. So Troy came out and Kyle came out. They started to help me boost the vehicle. And then all of a sudden, Chase comes out in his GMC truck, moving really slowly. I, I already knew it was going to happen already. He rolls down the window and looks at me and he goes, so your hood of your truck is up. Does that happen to be a Ford? cheeky. You know, if I tried to have a comeback and say, yeah, it's a fort, but it's got leather, I would just make the situation worse, right? <laughs> like, it doesn't, it doesn't work because it doesn't matter if you've got leather or not. Like, whoopee-doo. You need to have a motor that works. You need tires. Hey, wisdom is more than that. Wisdom isn't an option. It's a criteria for survival. Consider having an airplane that considered its landing gears as an option. Who's going to go on holidays? Even better still, going back to the example of the shuttle, 
a launch platform of a different era, of course, going into space, it's launched by a rocket, 30,000 kilometers an hour, can survive re-entry, glides back to Earth as a reusable spacecraft. Pretty cool stuff. But consider the guys at NASA, if they looked at landing gear, like it was an option. When that thing lands, it lands hot and heavy. It's a glider. It hits the runway at over 350 kilometers an hour. That thing is coming down like a rock almost. If it didn't have landing gear, that thing would be in a million pieces. Does it really matter if the shuttle blows up going into space or burns up on re-entry or falls apart on the ground because it doesn't have landing gear? It will be the same result. It's going to be a failure in the mission and a tragic loss of life. Our lives need to have landing gear. It doesn't matter how much money you have or anything else. If we can't land the plane, dare I say, we are screwed. There's no way out of it. I know it's funny, but I actually chose those words to be deliberate. It's not just a good idea. I got to have it, if I can say that. I need wisdom right now. I need wisdom at home to establish long-term enduring relationships. I need wisdom to build my marriage. I need wisdom to parent with excellence. I need wisdom to manage conflict, whether I start it or not. It doesn't matter. I need wisdom to find satisfaction and where I am right here, right now in my life, whether things are going good or not. Wisdom draws me to a place of peace that nothing else can because I can start to look at life, not just at the edge of my nose, but I can see a little further on. Wisdom helps me to realize that the universe is a really big place, and it's got more room in it than just for me, myself, and I. It's got room for other people. It allows me to begin to appreciate the importance of others and the importance of serving others that actually gives me a satisfaction that work doesn't for a paycheck because I understand through wisdom, through the eyes of eternity, that that's the only things that really actually matter. I need wisdom this very second until the end of time until I see Jesus. And you know what? I'm not alone. Are you with me? Thank you, Proverbs, for personification by the power of your Holy Spirit. We want desire wisdom. I don't just know the idea of wisdom now. I need wisdom. And there's a difference there now. Proverbs helps us to get there. Okay, we want wisdom. How do you get it? Going to go to U of A? Going to go to Nate? How about Stanford or MIT or any other place? Is there any degrees anywhere in the world that gives you a doctorate in wisdom? No. So how do we get it? Because Proverbs makes it clear that it's really easy to get. What does that mean? King Solomon pleased God so much that God said to Solomon, he goes, I like you. I'm going to give you anything you want right here, right now. Whatever you want, you name it, it's yours. Solomon thought about it, thought about it. He's the king of Israel. He could have asked for, well, you can imagine just about anything. But he eventually settled on this one thing. He goes, God, if you can give me one thing, I'm filling shoes I can't fill. I 
People come talk to me. I can't tell if they're lying or telling the truth. I need wisdom to be able to break apart who is being true and who's being false. Lord, I need wisdom to discern against personal inquiries in judging people between what is right and wrong. I, both sides sound right. Both sides sound wrong. What's the truth? Lord, help me to serve my people in the relationships and in a more global context between nations. I can't fill those shoes. I need wisdom to serve effectively. And God was so pleased with this answer that he gave him everything else. Interesting, I, I muse about this. It's kind of almost a waste of time to say it, but I can't help myself. We know that God knows everything before it happens. Okay, because he, he sees everything before it happens. The Bible makes it clear. His thoughts for us, the number of the sands of the seashore, he knows every day of our lives before any of those days ever happen. He knows what we're going to do before we do it. So clearly God knows Solomon's going to ask for wisdom when he gives him this opportunity. And here's a question. I wonder if God would have still given him that opportunity if he knew he was going to disappoint him by asking for something else, different than wisdom. I, I don't know. I guess it's a question. It doesn't matter. But I do know this, that God, right here, right now, it's going to sound way off the charts, but I say it with authority of God's word. I'll back it up right away. God is willing to give you right here and right now anything you want, right now. He will give you whatever is the desire of your heart, and he'll do it immediately. Immediately, and I give you a 102% success rate on this, God will give you whatever you want, provided you ask selflessly for wisdom. If that is the desire of your heart, it's yours. How can we say that? I'm so glad you asked. James 1.5, to keep us from being kooky natural and to keep our feet on the ground, says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him or her. You see, either we're playing church and just having a nice little talk about Christianity, or God's word is exactly that, alive and active. Everything else will be destroyed before even the slightest mark of the truth of Scripture is destroyed. And if this legal document that God has given us tells us in James 1, 5, that if we ask for wisdom, you will get it. That's exactly what you're going to get, as long as we trust him for that, as long as it comes from a heart that doesn't have fault, isn't asking for wisdom in some kind of selfish way, but in a way that helps us to serve. And if we do that, it's as simple, as easy as asking for it, literally. That's why it's chin up. It's not up to us. God is willing to give us his wisdom for his honor and his glory so that not only can we succeed in life, but that we can see an impact on the lives of others. Interesting, it is actually through God's mercy that we see the cross, and it is there that the road of wisdom begins. It says the fear of God is the beginning of the wisdom. I want to tell you something, however way you approach the topic of the fear of God, whatever angle you want to take at, it will always intersect the cross of Christ every single time. It doesn't matter which angle you come from. It will always bring us back to Christ because it's there that I see God's perfection. It is there that I see that I am sinful. It is my pride and my selfishness and hatred that separates me and you from God. It's there that I begin to see 
that there's nothing I can do or we can do to earn God's favor. The verdict is set, and there's nothing that's going to interrupt that legal due process in our lives in our own merit because God is holy, and yet he loves us, and he sent himself, so to speak, by sending his son of a virgin birth to come die on the cross for our sins ultimately to take away that penalty so that you and I can have a new life and become sons and daughters of God, not just friends with God, but a part of his family, having an inheritance. I can't earn that. You can't earn that. But wisdom allows us to birth in our hearts and minds and begin to see that God really does love us. And as long as I can acknowledge that and say, Lord, forgive me, come into my life, not only will he not pardon us and give us eternal life, but he gives us his love and his peace. Ultimately, we receive God's wisdom first by asking Jesus Christ into our hearts. And after that, we just ask God for wisdom day by day. And as we do that, at the end of it all, people will look at your life and go, that person has wisdom. That's the kind of person I want to spend time with. People who are wise generally aren't irritating people. They are people who are very aware of their surroundings. And that is something that we're all capable of. In conclusion, we have these couple of points that we want to share. First of all, chin up. That's the first point we want to talk about. This is for us. We can do this. And number two, wisdom isn't just a good option. It's a critical function in our lives. Lord, help us, Lord, to see through ourselves and be able to see the gravity and the importance and the freedom that we have in having wisdom applied literally daily in everything we say and do. It is through wisdom, therefore, that I can see past myself and see what's really important and what is not. Number three, you can have God's wisdom today. Interesting, it says in John 10.10, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That cannot happen without wisdom godly wisdom. God, help us to see past what everyone else sees, maybe in the world around us, so, Lord, that we can truly live. And that brings us to point number four. There are different kinds of wisdom. There's a worldly wisdom, and then there's godly wisdom. We haven't defined that, but I'm going to read it quickly for you in James chapter 3, and you can listen along. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. I have a hard time separating the difference, actually, in my mind between being humble, being wise, and a peacemaker. It's almost like as you pass a semi-rig when you drive on the highway. It's just, it's just a blur. You, you know there's different parts in there, and life is like a blur. And it's hard to sometimes separate some of those aspects in our life between what is a peacemaker and what's being humble and 
what's being wise. I'm not sure which comes first, but they are definitely packaged together. To have a life that's governed by God's wisdom will make you nothing more than a riot to hang out with because you are a peacemaker. It doesn't make you necessarily weak-kneed and, and a quick pushover. Yes, yeah, sometimes you've got to draw a line in the sand and stand there, but even then, you can still be a peacemaker. Realize that God's wisdom isn't not for only ourselves. It is meant to be spread around with the influence that God has given us. To be demonstrated through gentleness and humility and love. Because the only thing that really matters is the love of God and how we can demonstrate it to each other. Do you realize that the only way people are going to come to Christ, I mean the only way, is to see the genuine love of God. They will know you are my disciples if you but hate each other, fight with each other, talk about the difference between GMC trucks and Fords in some kind of real serious negative way. Now, if you but have love for one another. I know we got this church expansion thing happening, and uh, it's not meant to be an FECC component, but I can't help but think that I'll tell you right now, that expansion is a waste of time. The whole thing. Start from the finish. I am supposed to be the guy leading FECC. I'm telling you right now, it means nothing if we can't love one another. Amen? That, this is the church body. It's not the building. I hope we can grow so we have to have the extra expansion. But it's only because of God working in the lives of friends and our neighbors. And that will never happen if we can't have God's wisdom in our hearts and lives in a practical, wonderful, living way. Almost as if we are the personification now of wisdom. That they can see it in us for the glory of God. Realize this. This is the final thing I have to say because i got exactly 20 seconds. All right. Doing good. People now, statistically, will come to church for weeks and months and not give their hearts to the Lord. But they will come if they know they're accepted and if they can be safe. They can come in the way they are, as Jesus did, accepting tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. He accepted them first, realizing that the power of God can change lives by the power of God and His truth being applied gently over time. Let's allow our friends and our neighbors the opportunity to experience Christ and know his love by first of all seeing it in us. Not just how we treat them, but how we treat one another. Hey, you are my best friends. You're my family. Okay? And you are each other's family. Wisdom helps us to see that. May God help us become a stronger church together. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? We'll close in prayer. Oh, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this wonderful time we can be in your house in the middle of summer. Lord, I thank you that you have given us everything we need for godliness and holy living. That all your promises are always yes and never no. Lord, that you have given us joy that the world cannot understand. Our circumstances right now might be heavy. But Lord, you have given us a joy that is beyond our circumstances and our situation. I thank you, God, that you actually help us almost like a $6 million man to be better, stronger, and faster by the power of your Holy Spirit. Because it's not of us, it's you working through us, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for your honor and your glory. That you're here and that you're powerful in our presence.
And if you right now, just as you're standing here, you, you say, I need wisdom right now for, I don't know, a hundred different things. If you need it right now, just raise your hands with me. I'm raising both my hands. I'm just saying, Lord, help us, Lord, to walk in your wisdom. I thank you, Lord, that you have given it to us. Lord, I pray that we be a church that expands and explores wisdom, Lord, that we would become that personification, Lord. Lord, that others will see the glory of God for your glory because, Lord, we love people and that we're approachable and we're practical and we're down to earth more than anybody else's, Lord, that we can see people from where they are. Lord, we pray for those who are lost, Lord Jesus, our friends and neighbors. Lord, I pray that they'd see the very love of Christ as your wisdom is instilled in us. And we thank you for that now and we receive it by faith. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.